This is Gateway City Sports. fans and welcome back to another episode of turn into today i've got brendan schaefer on with me what's going on man and i am just ecstatic after that that was a that was a great win for the uh cardinals tonight honestly and your guy dylan he went dinger late in that game kind of a forgotten part of that like a good neighbor dylan is there with the home run late in that one to make it four to two that had to make you pretty excited yeah and honestly at first i, I had no idea what the reference was until somebody said insurance later and I put two and two together. Oh, yeah. I love, and I tweeted that out at B. Schaefer 12. That's my favorite kind of line to do to reference insurance. Like, that's it's State Farm, right? I think I have I have State yeah. Farm, so that's me. Yeah, so that I can use that. Not an ad, but, you know, maybe someday. Yeah. Not the way I drive, though. <laughs> oh, man, no. That was a great win. I mean, and, and, and to, to think that, that they essentially got all the runs, uh, against Alcantara, you know, uh, tough pitcher. And I, I think that was the, the signature um, Cardinal win thus far this year, you know? Yeah, what a weird sixth inning, though, where the Cardinals, they get them loaded, bases loaded, nobody out, and then you can kind of feel already where Twitter's going to go with that, like, oh, goodness, how are they going to blow this one and manage to not, you know, capitalize on that situation? Turns out they didn't get another hit in the inning, but all three of those runs scored, which is pretty crazy, and that's – honestly a turning point in the game and, and a big juxtaposition with John Gant having that same situation on the mound back in the third and yet he was able to get out of it that's honestly where the game turns and the way they were able to score those runs in the six was pretty pretty crazy good base running good situational hitting and they get it done yeah and I think um heads up base running by Goldschmidt I mean oh, what I, a play I, I don't I don't know if many people baseball players alone are, are on that level um, I mean, he knows he's not really that quick of a guy, but um, I mean, he he made it count and, and uh, got us where we needed to be. He's kind of like Yachty, though, in that way where, you know, Yachty would sometimes surprise pitchers the way he would steal bases. Not as much anymore. He'll still do it, I guess, a couple of times a year. But Goldschmidt, for a while, he was a guy who was like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was stealing like 20, 30 bases a year in some of those earlier years when he was with Arizona, he hasn't done it as much since he joined the Cardinals. But I remember there was a couple of years where he was, a guy, I think he was like a 30-30 guy. And so maybe not the fastest, but as good of a base runner as Yadi, if not better. And the way he read that, it was perfect the way they had the overhead camera set up on the Valley Sports because you could totally see what Goldsmith's eyes were, were doing. If the third baseman in that spot was going to look back in his direction, that's fine. He was going to beat him back to the bag. And then the guy wouldn't have been able to throw the runner out at first. Once he goes to first, though, Goldsmith knows he's 
got to make it, and he ends up doing it. It was really cool to watch. Yeah, I mean, he got that 30-30 in uh, 2016, actually. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he – I mean, granted, age is a factor, and um, you're going to slow down. But, um, yeah, there for a while, double-digit steals every season. Um, but gr- great heads-up base running, and I th- really think that uh, really set the tone for that inning and got one more run in until that Dylan Carlson home run. Did you notice earlier on in the inning before – the Goldsmith run when Edmund scored his on the wild pitch. And I tweeted this out because I saw somebody mention it in the replies to Zach Silver, NLB.com writer. The fact that the umpire called that pitch a strike on the one that Edmund scored on the wild pitch. And so I had to take a screen grab of that where the umpire standing there pointing his finger to the side like strike one. And everybody else in the image is like running around like a chicken with their head cut off. You know, the Marlins guys are trying to find the baseball and the, the batter's getting out of the way so Edmund can come score the run. That was kind of crazy. But you mentioned it, yeah, with Goldschmidt setting the tone for the inning. It's just the fact they didn't get a hit. That's what's so crazy because, to me, the, that's what you're usually worried about. Like, nobody's going to come through with the big swing. Nobody really did in that case, but just situational baseball. Uh, that Really, that's kind of what the Cardinals pride themselves upon. And so Mike Schilt was pretty happy about that after the game. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then you have, you know, Alcantara throwing absolute – crazy all game you know i don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how strikeouts he ended up with but um i mean we got was, everybody but carpenter i know that yeah, <laughs> including and, justin williams and that was his time to shine and uh or that was the cardinals time to shine in that inning and they absolutely took advantage of it and um brought home the win tonight thankfully here's a question for you i'll put you on the spot watching the way alcantara was pitching earlier on in that game I was kind of going down the rabbit hole and I tweeted out some stuff about like the 2016 Cardinals prospect rankings, like looking back at the guys they had and the guys they've gotten rid of. You think about Luke Weaver, Alcantara certainly on the list, Zach Gallen, somebody that probably not a lot of Cardinals fans were high on aware of at the time when he was with the organization has turned into a total stud now that he's with the Diamondbacks, which is the guy that you, you as a Cardinals fan are like, oh, man, that's the one that got away more so than any of the other ones. Because for me, if I'm watching, I'm thinking Alcantara tonight. I mean, he could have a huge season the way he looked tonight. Well, pitching-wise, and I mean, I know it's... Yeah, yeah, stick to the pitchers for this. It's, it, I know it's fresh, but I really think, and I know he might have some trouble in Colorado, but I think Austin Gomber is going to be the guy that we look back on and think... Whoa! I, that's interesting. I know. Uh, and you saw he walked like seven at his first outing, right? I that hey, I <laughs> and it was rough, but I think we're gonna look back and go, man, we looked and I don't know how I don't know how his curveball is gonna play in Colorado, but I mean I, I had high hopes for him coming into uh this season, um, especially after what we saw last year. I, I had real high hopes, but um it was kind of funny to me because I mean, just watching, I mean I, I you know, a lot of these guys that uh Alcantara was throwing to they played together in the minors and you know yeah you just wonder if uh if those if those conversations ever come up but um I, I don't know who, who's your guy in that it's kind of be I mean Alcantara is out there firing 99 mile per hour bullets like into the fifth inning and he and again it could be some of that experience familiarity factor but he had a really good start his first time out as well he looked really good last year in the shortened season which i know a lot of that people say well you know how much of that can you expect to continue when he has to throw 32 starts instead of you know 14 or whatever he did i think this guy's going to be a stud though 
And I was trying like heck to get him in some dynasty leagues for fantasy this offseason. And there's really only one league with a dynasty component that I actually got him. And I think I drafted him at too high of a price to really keep him. But not if he keeps pitching like this. I I get the Austin Gomber play because that was a guy that I held on to in a dynasty. I'm a guy, you know, fantasy baseball. I know you're kind of a little bit into that, too. I end up keeping Austin Gomber probably over some higher rated guys if you look at like rankings because I thought the same thing. I thought this guy's going to end up being, uh, you know, nobody's going to complain about getting Nolan Arenado. I get that, but especially this year with the Cardinals, you look at the fact that Ponce and John Gant are in your rotation right now. You could look back and say, yeah, that's maybe they could have given somebody else. That's a guy they could end up missing, especially a left-handed arm in there in the rotation. Uh, but I think Alcantara, the fact that he's finally kind of hitting on some of his potential. And look, he had potential with the Cardinals when they had him. And Mike Schultz, an interesting guy to have perspective on this as well, because, you know, he's uh, coached throughout the minors, manager throughout the minors, and then, you know, been everywhere within the organization. And what he talked about tonight was, you know, how good he looks, obviously, but that his command is so much better. Like he wasn't trying to rip on the prospect that he used to be. But it's clear that Alcantara has made some leaps since the Cardinals traded him away. Uh, I, for me, and Zach Gallant's a guy that could strike out 200 a year when healthy. He's on the IL to start this season. But I think Alcantara is going to end up being the guy for me. He looked, I mean, he just looks nasty. And did it last year, too. And, and pitched in the playoffs against the Cubs. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have a really bright future. He's only like 25 years old, too. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, I thought he was off the table. I thought you were... S- I guess signaling towards the other. Oh, no. I I just brought it up because I wanted to talk about it. Well, if if it's not him, and no offense to Gomber, who I think can do it, but I have to kind of pay deference a little bit to Zach Gallen, who's already done it. I'm just impressed by the guys that can miss bats the way that Zach Gallen has done. And I know that Gomber can rack him up too. uh, But, but, you know, there's going to be maybe a little bit of a a get-to-know-me period with him in Denver. And so I don't know if we're going to see the return on the investment just right away for the Rockies. Uh, but Zach Gallen, and it's hard to like be too upset because I remember like, and I, I I retweeted one of the old trade polls tonight that said something ridiculous. It was like Alcantara and Flaherty and Ant Gomber for like Chris Archer and Alex Colomay or something. And so that would obviously be a, a regrettable move had the Cardinals made it back then, uh, based on what those guys have turned into. But I, even when the Cardinals did end up trading Zach Gallen, I was like, eh, whatever. You know, this is kind of a move the Cardinals need, and they they got extra pitchers, right? And we said they've got extra pitchers, I think, enough times until they ran out of the extra pitchers, and now they're kind of – it's not that they're scrambling. Like, they feel okay about Gant and Ponce, and honestly, even though they didn't go deep, both of those guys had two of the better turns uh, through the first turn in the rotation here with with Jack Flaherty then taking the game tomorrow. It's just kind of interesting perspective to look back on and say, all these guys the Cardinals didn't have room for in their rotation. Marco Gonzalez is another name that we haven't brought up. Zach Gallen, Luke Weaver, Sandy Alcantara, uh, pick a fifth one. I, Lance Lynn, that's kind of cheating because he left in free agency. But that's a heck of a rotation of guys that were under control for the Cardinals, aren't anymore, and are out there having success as, as starting pitchers elsewhere. It's just like the Cardinals were never going to find room in the rotation because they like Flaherty a little better, understandably. They like Dakota Hudson a little better. Uh, when healthy, he's, he's proven to be a, a guy in that upper echelon as well. It's just kind of crazy to think about the way the injuries have kind of piled up and manipulated themselves to the Cardinals rotation this year to where you're like, oh, yeah, there's some guys in the, the rotation that maybe I would rather have this or that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, even even like looking back now or looking at now on Marco Gonzalez's stats, you're like, man, I hated to see that one, you know, 
get away. I didn't even, I, I didn't even hate it when it happened. Like, no. but like, I remember my thought process specifically was, okay, I think this guy is a major league starter. And, you know, whatever the names were at the time, it was clear to me that he was like guy number six or seven. And so it was like, he's going to get stuck in that limbo in St. Louis. You might as well get something for him. Tyler O'Neill was a back end top 100 prospect. The, the idea of having a power bat was tantalizing. I don't think it's fair at this point to say Tyler O'Neill hasn't panned out, but he, he certainly hasn't emerged yet to be that kind of consistent middle of the order bat over the course of a full season that I think you'd like to have seen. Marco Gonzalez has already gone. It got himself a contract, like a new contract and he's set up. So, uh, you know, it's still kind of waiting on the return on that investment. If you're the Cardinals. Yeah. And I mean, if, I mean, gallon, you can't, you kind of got to look over that one because you got a power hitting, excellent defensive and heads up base running first baseman now. Um, but, uh, and Gomber, I mean, like I said, with him, I, I kind of, Wanted to see him in St. Louis again this year because I had high hopes for him, but um, you know I'm not sure if the I'm not sure if that uh, that Big Twelve Six is going to play well in Colorado. Um, but man, I just he's just one guy that I had high, high hopes for this year. So sure, yeah, and he could end up having a really fine season. We'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. But let's talk a little bit more about the Cardinals rotation because Mike Schultz said tonight uh, Kwon Young Kim was supposed to throw a, uh, a simulated game or whatever they, they want to call it uh, down in Jupiter today. He did that, pitched pretty well. I believe Mike Schultz said 68 pitches for him, five innings, eight strikeouts, only two hits, maybe a walk or two. Uh, Schultz was kind of rattling that off from memory. But basically things seem to be checking out health-wise for him. I don't know. I can't get a read just yet on whether that's going to mean he's going to like take his next turn in the rotation when it, when it loops back around as maybe spot number four or five, or if he's going to need, Schultz said, you know, maybe one more outing that he can build up to 75, 80 pitches, that kind of thing. Uh, and he would end up doing that probably at the alternate site. He's going to come north with the Cardinals because Jupiter, not that far from Miami, and that's where the Cardinals are right now. They're going to get him there, and he's going to travel with the team, I think, is the plan. And so after seeing both Ponce de Leon and John Gant throw their two starts, let me ask you, if it ends up being the case that KK is ready to go for his next turn in the rotation, or, or even if it's not, and we get to see one more round from both those guys, from what you've seen so far, how do you think the Cardinals should go about uh, kind of restructuring their rotation? Who stays? Who maybe gets bumped to the bullpen? Who maybe gets shipped out if they have to make those kind of roster moves? What do you think is going to go down there? Well, I mean, if if KK doesn't come back to the rotation and we're going back through the same five, I mean, sure. to me, honestly, it's it, it's tough with with the combination of Gant and Ponce because I mean, from from what I saw yesterday, it just seemed like you know the majority of the pitches that Ponce was throwing were fastballs, which are, is concerning to me. He threw eighty three out of ninety three four seam fastballs. Yeah, yep. it's just it's not, <laughs> not going to play in the big leagues. I mean, I mean, it's just not. It's a good pitch, though. He's got a good fastball, man. You know I'm a Ponce guy, and so I have to kind of be the other side of that coin. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I do. But, I mean, especially if if I would say uh, – I'm guessing it would be Milwaukee that would see him next. I mean, they're it just it's just going to get abused. That fastball could be tricky. Yeah. And I just – yes, he, he's had the, the most complete, quote-unquote, outing of any Cardinal pitcher so far. But I just don't see that playing much. 
Um, now, in, in a long relief role, if, if KK does come back sometime in this next series, I, I absolutely would, would have the possibility of Ponce coming out of the pen. Um, but I just – that would be the one that I would, I would have to probably say, eh, I don't know. But, I mean, even tonight, you know, I felt like Gant had some control issues. Um, it's just it's, – it's been rough. So the, I mean, yeah, it, it has been rough in that you know the guys that you thought you were going to be able to count on for strong outings, Flaherty, Wayno, didn't necessarily come out with those. For me, the Wayno one was totally just a fluke because of all the weird weak contact that he gave up in that inning, and Schultz eventually just decided to pull him. But then the back end guys, they only give up one run each, or two runs, I guess, for Gant, and so you know they they're kind of making their way through grinding out the, these outings, but at the end of the day, you know, what, what are, what are the better options for me? I, I like, I, I, I don't have a read on what the Cardinals would do, which guy they'd replace for me though. I think, and this might not be fair to Gant, but I, I've seen enough from Ponce the last couple of years. And, and maybe I'm only remembering the good stuff, but I've seen enough to think that there's more there that the upside could be there. He's got to, he's got to try to limit the 22 pitch innings or whatever, because if he throws 20 pitches an inning, he's a guy who can throw a hundred, 105 pitches and like be no worse for the wear. He's just a really durable guy. And they've talked about that a lot, that they're okay with him going a little bit deeper as far as pitch count. But if you're throwing, you know, full counts, every batter, and then you only throw fastballs. So they're going to foul off a lot of pitches. You're going to go deep into those innings. It's kind of hard for imagining a guy like Ponce being able to go six or seven, uh, but you mentioned Gant has some of those similar problems as well. I'd like to see Ponce remain in the rotation. Uh, you know, don't know what the status of Michaelis is, whether that's going to be somebody that can return in short order or not. But for me, I think the upside as a reliever, and, and this might be working a little bit backwards, I think it's higher for Gant, given what he's done in that role the last couple of years. I don't think the Cardinals need another wrong, long relief guy. And that sort of feels like where Ponce would fit because every time we've, we've said, Hey, what do you think about Ponce as far as a, you know, late inning guy, closer type play, Mike Schultz has kind of brushed that off a little bit, but it's clear they, they like Gant in that role. And I think that's a more valuable role. Cause you already kind of have Woodford, I guess, for long relief. I don't know if there's a great answer and, and maybe we'll get one more sample size. As you mentioned, if KK is not quite ready, we might get to see one more start from each guy that can kind of determine the way that it could go. It's just an interesting thought that I was thinking of tonight when they were talking about KK, like good to have KK back, good to have the lefty back, but that is going to have some uh, impact down the roster, the way they have to shape the rotation from there. Yeah. And I think I, honest to God, I think that I, I feel like, um, I wouldn't mind having Ponce in the rotation. You know, what was it, his first career start? He almost what he went seven no hit or something like that. Seven no hit, and they had to take him out because of pitch count. Correct. But yeah, he. I mean, he's capable of it. But why? I guess my question at hand would be, you know, can he if he mixed up his pitches? Because honestly, if, if they scout this, if they scout eighty three out of ninety three fastballs, all Milwaukee's going to do is sit on it. That's true, and I and I think Milwaukee's a tough team to do that against. I, to be fair, and I can give a little more insight to this, when Ponce was asked about that, like, hey, what's with all the fastballs, he basically said, you know, I felt like, you know, pregame, he felt like maybe his off-speed stuff was good and was kind of excited to throw some of it, but then as he got into it, he threw a couple change-ups, and the off-speed stuff suddenly maybe wasn't feeling as good. And Yachty can pretty much probably sense all of that because they're throwing these pitches in between innings, kind of warming up as well. 
and Yachty never called for a curveball all night, and Ponce didn't shake him all night. Because the last time he shook him off, he said, was in spring training, and he gave up a hit right after it. So oh, wow. that was basically that was basically the reason that Ponce, I think it was 83 four-seamers and then like five cutters. So really it was just five change-ups, five non-fastballs the whole night. I would agree against Milwaukee or, or even if he's facing the Nationals or whomever next, that would probably be something you'd like to see him mix up a little bit more. But I think in that outing, it was just the fact of the matter was, Pitches weren't feeling great, and boss man behind the plate said, "Yeah, we're good with what we're doing." And he threw a lot of fastballs, kind of crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, his fastballs were looking good. I'm just my my whole. I'm just afraid, you know, another team, especially a good fastball hitting team, is just going to catch up to it, you know. And I mean, you mix the changeup in there. I mean, does he does he have a, a curveball or anything? He's got the curveball, and it's 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 a pitch, and he's he's tinkered like with all of his off-speed stuff to the extent that I'm not exactly sure game to game what's in his bag that he's willing to throw because he's kind of done some things the last couple off seasons, and he went to drive line uh, before the 2020 season to try to you know hone in some of his stuff. So I think he's a guy who's kind of constantly tinkering, and maybe that was just a matter of first start of the year. Yachty felt like. Let's simplify things. Go with what your strength is. But what's interesting is, and I do think you're right. It would be Milwaukee because they play the they played the Marlins again today. They'll play them again tomorrow, and so I would think he would line up for the third game against the Brewers, unless they want to do something with that off day and kind of shake things up. I would predict right now. I'll say it. If he starts against the Brewers, it's going to be like five innings. He'll give up like three runs on a couple of homers because the fastball is going to get his strikeouts. But he's probably going to walk a guy or two, might give up a walk in front of a homer, that sort of thing. He kind of scatters them. So I think he's he can have a capable outing, but it's going to be kind of one of those where he does end up paying a little bit if he goes too much to that fastball. And that's a question I was going to ask him last night, but the darn Zoom situation, I was not able to get my hand up in time to ask him about you know, just that, that idea that, all right, if you're throwing fastballs, because I was noticing it during the game. He was, he was playing around the plate a little bit, but he was getting guys to kind of swing at those fastballs a, a few inches off the plate, but they, they kept fouling them away. He didn't have a put-away pitch, and, and oftentimes his fastball is going to be the put-away pitch, but you got to kind of show him something to change the pace, I would think, to be able to have that fastball then be more effective because they're at least thinking about something else. They, were, they weren't necessarily on him contact-wise in that game, but they were, they were just getting a piece every time towards like, geez, this guy's going to throw 120 pitches if he's going to try to get through six. Yeah, but I mean, he, he used this tool that worked, and and out of oh, the, yeah. out of the five guys we've seen, he had the best outing, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And so now they look to to Jack Flaherty for the next game. And again, I, I we didn't talk too in depth about this game tonight, but the Cardinals get the win four to two, score those three runs in the sixth. We talked about Dylan, so that's really all there is to talk about when it comes to the offense from the Cardinals tonight. But I want to kind of shift gears a little bit into looking ahead. Jack Flaherty wasn't. Too sharp his first time out. Uh, you know, there could be some reasons for that, but what do you expect from him tomorrow when he takes on the Marlins uh, Wednesday afternoon? Well, I, I mean, I, weather change, you know, I, I think we'll probably get at least six, six, two third, maybe seven out of Flaherty tomorrow. I know I'm probably stretching a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I've been a big Flaherty guy for a few years now. But, um, yeah, man, I think, I think we're going to see a completely different pitcher from the other the other day, uh, opening day, if you will. Um, I just, I feel like that game should probably just be put 
in a lockbox somewhere and never reappear because, I mean, it's so it, it was snowing. It was snowing in Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I don't think it's fair to necessarily judge his outing um, on opening day. I, I mean, yeah, there were some some small things here and there, but it, you can't really grip a ball in 30 degree weather. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a, a better outing out of him tomorrow. And uh, I'm, I'm calling it six or seven. Is uh, he going to shove what, what qualifies officially as a shove? That's, I think the uh, delineation I need from you here. Um, is that like seven innings, one or fewer runs or two or fewer? No, Does we, that qualify? Uh, we, we might see two, we might okay. see two, but I, I it's not going to be like we saw the other day. I think we may see lockdown Flaherty again. Man, if he, one of the nastiest pitches he has is that curveball low in the zone that bounces in the dirt. And those guys, I mean, they will fish at it all day long. It does look like you on MLB the show sometimes when he's throwing that pitch, I will say. Yeah, it's just, it, <laughs> wait, are you trying to roast me? Well, listen, I know you're probably still better at the game than I am, but I have to get a cheap shot in there when I can, okay? I feel you. Um, but I just think that's one of his his best pitches. You throw the fastball low, then throw that curveball low, and it's just it's so tight. His fat is sorry, his curveball is so tight that it can't last minute. It's it's gone. Yeah, so. I I think I'm with you there. A bounce back performance from Flaherty tomorrow. Look, the Marlins are team made the postseason last year. You know, what are the expectations coming into this year when you've got basically everybody around you in the division trying to improve the Mets adding Lindor, doing everything they can do, the Nationals trying to reload, the Phillies continuing uh, to try to do the same. It feels like everybody's trying to catch the Braves in that division, really loaded roster. But at this point, and I don't want to minimize what they accomplished last year, but I do think it's fair to kind of estimate the Marlins to be kind of the bottom feeder in this division uh, going in until proven otherwise. And the fact that you've got them on the ropes where they've played pretty good baseball. Like these have been two pretty competitive games. You were able to come out on top in both of them. I think the Cardinals really got to kind of go for the jugular tomorrow, having their ace on the mound. Going to be curious to see what kind of lineup Mike Schultz puts out there. Temptation after you win a series might be to kind of give some of your regulars a rest, especially going into opening day. I, knowing this crew and the guys that we're talking about here, I don't think you should see Arenado sitting. I don't think you should should see Goldschmidt sitting. Uh, you know, Yachty's probably going to be in there, you'd have to imagine. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. Matt Carpenter, the only guy not to strike out tonight, as we mentioned, is he potentially going to get a start at like first or third tomorrow and really shake things up? Because Twitter was so upset tonight when the lineup came out and it was Matt Carpenter batting fifth. And so I'm just curious what could happen tomorrow with the lineup. If uh, as Carpenter had a decent enough showing, didn't get a hit, but held a, held his own to the plate. If to, if tomorrow, maybe there's another uh, little uh, wrinkle in there from the manager. I think, it, I think if the wrinkle is in there, I don't think you're going to see it at third base. I think you're going to see the potentially um, Edmund moved to shortstop and DeYoung given a day off. Oh, that's interesting. Um, okay. I, I don't think, other than that, you might see the late inning situation like we did tonight where they shuffled things around. But I I, I think the Cardinals I, – I, honestly, I'm with you on that. I think the Cardinals are going to go for the sweep. Um, I mean, right now, it's, it is early. But at the same time, I think they're absolutely going to go for the sweep tomorrow. And if they're up decent, even a, even a handful of runs, I think you might see – some of the the better bats pulled from the lineup to give them some rest and shift things around a bit. But I think at this point in time, 
I think uh, you're if if the if there is an adjustment to what we've got now, I think you may see DeYoung given a day off, Edmund shifted to to uh, short, and or I mean even if they don't go with uh, carpet second, you know they may put Sosa out there at shortstop and uh, see what can get done tomorrow with that. But I that that would be my only candidate I'd say for a day off tomorrow. All right, I'm not going to call DeYoung sitting, though I know that he's a guy you haven't been super high on, especially with him batting cleanup, um, talking about the strikeout rate and, and maybe wanting somebody with a little bit more uh, you know, consistent power, contact-oriented in that spot. I, I know also who you're thinking of when you say that. You, you want Dylan batting fourth, you'd bat him leadoff, you don't care, you just want him batting higher in the order. <laughs> I, I don't think it's even I, I, it's not even it's not even the number, the spot where he's at in the order. It's just a simple fact of there's nobody protecting him that low. Um and and like last season, you know, that first round he got called up, I was hyped, you know, and they batted him so low in that lineup and then, you know, he wasn't doing anything. He went down, came back up and he was hitting higher and he was just he was looking like a different player. And you know, I'm not saying that the kid shouldn't hit, but at the same time, you know, give him a little bit of protection and you're going to get more value out of him. And I don't think, I'm not saying that Carlson should absolutely hit fourth right now, but give him something other than the pitcher spot or other than, you know, um, a Justin Williams who, you know, hasn't really broke out yet. You know, if, if Williams was hitting the cover off the ball, you know, okay, cool. But I just, Right now, I think Carlson definitely should be shifted up a little bit. Just see if he can get, get it going elsewhere. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even mind him batting above Tyler O'Neill. Not that O'Neill didn't have a great spring. He did, and he's got the home run already on the season. Dylan, though, of course, has a couple to his credit now. I don't even, you know, even the number five hole, I don't know if batting And I'm not super big into the notion of protection. I do think there's some merit to it. But, like, I don't want to go as far as to put somebody like Carlson, which I think he could be great in this spot, but in the two-hole instead of Goldsmith because I was kind of keen on, ever since they got Arenado, I was thinking, man, get Arenado batting in the first inning at number three, get Goldsmith, who had a ridiculous OBP last year, right ahead of him. I think that's a, a recipe for some magic. We'll see how Tommy Edmond does as the season goes along. Um, I think having Carlson a little bit lower, like a five or a six, or even a four, like I legitimately think end of the day, Carlson ends up being this team's third best hitter. And so I would just go ahead and bat him fourth, not because he's like a traditional cleanup slugger type, but because he gets to bat more often at that point in time. And I'm okay with Edmund batting leadoff kind of until further notice, but leadoff is something Carlson's done too. And if at the end of the day, you want to put him one, two, three, and have him leading off in front of Goldschmidt Arenado. I think that's a super stacked top of your lineup. But then maybe you need to go trade for like Joey Gallo or something to figure out having some punch in the middle. I don't know. Well, I like the idea, and and I know people will turn against this because some people, for some odd reason, don't think that he can do it. But I, I actually like the idea of maybe hitting Carlson in front of Yachty. And I say that because Yachty is a put the ball anywhere. He will put the ball literally anywhere. Um, Carlson has great eye. He has a great eye on the ball and he'll get on base. You know, he's got a little bit of speed on him too. And Yachty can hit for power, hit the gaps. He can throw the bat out there and get a single. And um, 
I just think at the end of the day, you need somebody behind Carlson that is going to um, get him around the bases more. And, I mean, Yachty is that guy. I think right now, Yachty's the third best hitter on this team. Okay, I could live with that. I would say then that would put, for me, it would be like Carlson in the five hole, Yachty remaining number six. O'Neal probably slide down to seven. Uh, which, which I guess that's where he was tonight, and I think that's fine. You know, O'Neill is another guy though who could probably benefit from "quote unquote" some protection. But at the end of the day, whoever you are in this league, you're going to have to be able to hit all the kind of pitches that they can throw at you. But I don't mind that in front of Yachty. I don't think that would be anything crazy. But when Carpenter's in there, it's kind of like the Yachty paradox, where neither of those guys I, I feel are going to be in the eight or seven hole, and so by merit of you know, less experience, whatever it is, Carlson ends up sliding down to eight tonight. But hey, the fact that he's like, he truly is a, such an even keeled guy. It probably didn't even phase him. Like it's, it's kind of alarming how similar he is in that way to like Goldschmidt, where he's just, he really doesn't care about any of the, the extra stuff. He just wants to go play. And he hits a homer from the eight hole tonight, which I think is really indicative kind of of the mindset that your guy brings to the plate. Well, not only that, but he, you know, second home run hit one from the left side opening day, yep. right side today. Um, yep. And I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. You know, his left side being stronger, I feel. Um, but yeah, getting that first from the right side. You know, hopefully this opens the floodgates for him. But I mean, you're right. You know, you have to be able to hit all types of pitches in this uh, in the show. And um, so hopefully this opens the floodgates for him, and we start to see it pour out now. Yeah, man, I feel you. Well, listen, it's getting late here, so I'm thinking about going to bed, but want to know if you have anything else we haven't touched on that you want to discuss before we get on out of here. No, no. I mean, we just get ready for that opening day in St. Louis, and hopefully uh, we get some pictures back so we can uh, you know, get this rotation uh, straightened out. Yeah, for sure. Well, as always, as I do before the end of each show, wanted to remind you that you, you can subscribe to B-Shape Daily. Would recommend that you do so. Check us out over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other spots. You can head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on the More Platforms tab, and that'll be a list of everywhere that you can reach the show. And if Mantles wants to drop a little love for turning two, I guess that would be all right, too, since this is kind of a specialty, you know, my 100th episode, your probably third episode, whatever. But what you got going on? Where can you find the show? This is episode number 11. But anyway, <laughs> my bad. Obviously, I've not been listening. Whoops. Yeah, correct. No, but you can catch the turn Two podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Um, I'm not as broad as B shape daily yet, but yeah, episode number 11, we'll push for that episode hundred sometime. <laughs> hey, it's good to have goals. Well, listen, it's been fun catching up, man, and I'm sure we'll do it again in like a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And this has been the latest edition of B shape daily slash turn into, we'll talk to you next time.